to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey everyone, we're back again for another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast, and today I'm chatting with Andy Willis, whose life motto is Carp DM, and fittingly, Andy is talking to us today from the French Alps. We have a really interesting conversation around how Andy has structured his life and his work really to fit in with his life and the way that he has changed his business so that he can work from anywhere and now he helps other people to do that. And then we also have an interesting chat about minimalism and what that means to him and how he's applying that in his life. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today we're joined by Andy Willis. And Andy, I believe you are talking to us from the French Alps today. Is that right? Certainly am over, over here in the French Alps, and it's a beautiful day. Love it. Come here every year. It's awesome. And so, are you on holidays or are you working from over there? I'm not on holidays, I'm working. I'm integrating work and life as one. So, when I come over here, I come over here for three months every year, but it's not a holiday and it's not work. It's actually, I integrate work and life as one. So it's, it's all the same. It doesn't matter where I am. I love the idea of that. And Bean Ninjas is built around that concept too of remote work. And we have team members that will live in Bali for a period of time and work from there and surf. And I've done the same thing and, and spent time overseas and kept on working, but have been able to experience something different. And so what does a typical day look like for you? when you're working and cycling and relaxing in the French Alps? Yeah, well, a typical day, I like to, because of the work-life integration thing, it's in some of my day, whilst it's structured, some part of it's structured, and other parts of it is, well, oh, the weather looks good, I'm just going to go for a ride, and then I'll work later. So it's about, uh, you know, I've set myself up so I do have some choices there, of course, but my day typically starts off probably the night before because I'm in a different time zone. So what I do the night before is I set up uh, my tasks for my virtual assistant or my team member. I don't like to use the word virtual assistant. She's a, her name's Jan and she's a really important part of the team. I set her task. I do a very quick video that I then put into Slack and then that sets me up for the next day, for the next morning, early in the morning, gives me the opportunity if I do have to communicate with her directly while she's still at work. I do that. And then the rest of the day is a choice of, uh, of course, first up going down to the local lingerie and grabbing a pastry or a croissant and then choosing whether I work. I go for a ride. I hike over here. I just do a mix of work and uh, activity during the day. So it's not totally structured but uh, it's more being flexible. I do work from here. I work anywhere from four to eight hours sometimes, but I pick and choose. Wednesday, I go for hikes with my friends over here. I don't actually travel over here. I just come to the one community and it's sort of my second home. I, you know, it's a bit of a soul place for me. So I've immersed myself in the community and I have friends here. And I go hiking with uh, my friends. He has Wednesday off and we go up hiking. So I call Wednesday more or less a day off and just do a couple of hours in 
after the day's hiking. So that's more yeah, or less incredible. a day here in the Alps. So, you know, cycle, stop for, uh, very importantly, coffee and cake. And uh, I mix between working from here in my apartment. I rent an apartment for three months. And I also go down to Cafe de Paris, which is a, a lovely cafe down in the village, and work from there to, you know, mix with some people as well as working. Sounds incredible. And your work life wasn't always like this, I believe. Before your current business, Work From Anywhere, you ran a different style of business, I believe, and that didn't have the ability to be run from anywhere originally. So could you go into your backstory and talk about your previous business and that transition to a business that could run from anywhere? Yes, sure. I'd love to because that business and, and how I did transition that business is the very reason I'm doing what I'm doing now is actually helping other people to do the same. So I had a very successful conference and event management business, which I ran for 17 years. I was working seven days a week in that business. I was organizing very large events for a client in Australia, taking their people from Australia to all parts of the world, doing everything from their travel, their their gala dinners, their conference sessions, their extension tours. So they were big events. They take 12 months to organize. So consequently, I had myself and a staff member and it was a great business. It was earning really good. It was uh, very successful, but I was spending seven days a week working in that business and not spending any time living life outside of that business. I enjoyed cycling. I wanted to go back to France at some stage, but I just wasn't getting the opportunity because I was working in that business because it wasn't set up. Then back in 2012, I had a bit of a life change, which saw me being single. Uh, But over that time, I picked up a book, as we do on the flights, called The 4-Hour Workweek. And I still don't believe in The 4-Hour Workweek, but I love some of the concepts in that book, which was about uh, transitioning your business so you didn't have to be there all the time. So I decided to transition my conference and event management business so I didn't have to be there all the time so I could operate at working from anywhere. So I'd done that over a, a period of 12 months and then I just decided that's it. I want to go back to France, to the French Alps and ride my bike. So I booked a month in the month of May 2013. I packed up my bike and my bag and my laptop. I'd set my business up to work from anywhere. So I decided to test out the theory, see whether it would work. I had my staff member back in Australia. I was organizing a really big event that year, but I thought, no, I'm just going to test this out. And it uh, worked so well. Went over there. I was still able to work every day, cycle and get into the community. It worked so well that I, the next year I went back for two months and done exactly the same thing. And the next year I went back for three months. And now I spend three months every year over here in the French Alps. And what happened from that was I'd come back from those trips and everyone thought they were holidays. And I explained they're not holidays. I actually you know, work and live over there. And I'd see my friends and my colleagues trapped working in their business. They're trapped in their business, same as me, and not spending any time living life outside of their business. And it, uh, it really quite disturbed me. So that's where Working From Anywhere was born. I decided that that was going to be my life purpose because it's really hard to explain. But what I did actually 
didn't just change the way I worked, it changed the way I lived my life. And I'd go back and see other people that were in the same position as me, trapped working in their business and what I call deferring life until retirement. And we all know some people don't actually make it to retirement or they get to retirement and their body's not like it used to be. So they want to go and travel or climb mountains and they just can't do it. So I decided that you know, I want to help these people live their life while their body is still able. So that's what I did. And that's where I ended up with working from anywhere. And I think there's a phrase that means a lot to you and it's not your business name, but you've incorporated it into your business brand. Did you want to explain that phrase and what it means to you? Well, there's a longer story behind it, which we probably don't have time for. But yeah, I live by the mantra carpe diem, which means that most people would know seize the day. And that's the message and that's the passion that I bring. That's why I help the people that I do, because unfortunately, you know, there's the biggest certainty in life is that uh, we're going to run out of life. And the biggest uncertainty is we don't know when. So I'm a real believer in carpe diem and seize the day. It's my mantra. I've even got it tattooed on my arm. It's how I sign off everything. And that's the very mantra that I want to inspire others to do the same because it's exactly that. If you're trapped working in your business and not living life outside of that business, and that includes spending time with the people that count, you don't get that chance again. You don't get the chance to spend time with your kids as they grow up. You don't get chance to spend time with other people that count and doing other things if you don't make the most of every single opportunity every day. So yes, carpe diem is my mantra, seize the day. And that's the message I like to share and spread. I'm actually currently writing a book called Carpe Diem, which is about carpe diem. It's also about how you transition your business so you can actually seize every day. And so if we go back to that transition that you went through where you set up your business to run for your first trip over to the French Alps. What were some of the things that you needed to implement in your business to enable that trip to happen? Okay, yeah, well, back then it was, you know, a little bit harder. It was back in 2012, 2013, not harder. There's there's a lot more and it's a lot easier now. But very first step, which is the first step for everyone, is I put everything in the cloud and back then I used not a sky drive it was then not one drive it used to be sky drive so Microsoft I'm now completely over to Google and thankful of it so the first step for me was just getting everything into the cloud changing I used Skype as a Skype phone number so making sure I had uh, digital communications as opposed to using just a phone number and so the phone number was able to call to me wherever I was in the world, although it just looked like a Sydney number, and then just put in some other systems and processes in place and communication protocols so I could actually work with my staff member back in Australia and started using Asana even way back then. So we had everything in place so we could communicate without having to physically be in the same time zone. And it it just worked. So the very first step is making sure I had everything in the cloud. Wonderful. And when you're helping other business owners transition their business so that they could spend time in the French Alps or surfing in Bali or whatever it may be that they want to do, is it a similar yeah. first step for them? And what does that process look like when you're working with these other business owners? Actually, the step before that, I have a 
a seven-step process is the very first step is actually building a foundation, like building the structure, thinking about the whole structure of your business before you you then have to put it into the cloud, but make sure you get some structure so it flows through the, everything in your business. So that's the first step. But the most important step, of course, is putting everything in the cloud. And one of the challenges for people is, you know, concerns around security. And, of course, you know, security in the cloud is actually more secure than it is on your server, plus it's got a whole lot of other benefits. But, yeah, the starting point and the no-brainer is to get not just part of your business in the cloud, the whole of your business in the cloud. Bottom line is you need to be able to access everything from anywhere at any time and on any device. So once someone's made that transition, I suppose that's the major transition is getting everything on the cloud and getting team members and clients communicating with you through those channels. The other big thing around that is there's, as well as the tools, there's some mindset shifts there because many people, especially in traditional businesses, and my the main people I work with potentially have had a business for quite some time. So I work with people with established businesses and they're so used to being the business being there and having to be there because they know the answers to all the questions. They know how to do all the tasks and the jobs in the business. So the biggest, one of the biggest things is the mindset of releasing control and setting up systems so you can actually delegate tasks to other people so other people can, in your organisation or outside of your organisation, if you're using virtual assistants, uh, can run your business. So it's about setting your business up so it operates without you. So it does actually operate as a business. So the business isn't just you. As Michael Gerber says, if you have a business that's just you, you don't have a business, you have a job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm a fan of his work. And and yeah. systems too, definitely. They're, that's something that we talk a, lot, a, a bit about on the podcast, creating systems and processes and delegating team members and how to structure teams. So it's great hearing you mention these topics as well. I wanted to ask about your program and I know that you do retreats as part of your program or that's the culmination of the process of getting a business to run online. I'd love to hear more about the retreats. Okay, yeah, well, the retreats are really, really, well, they're part of the program because there's a lot of people out there, businesses, helping businesses systemize their business. But you know, to fulfill my purpose and the purpose I'm trying to share with others, it's not just about systemizing your business. It's about transitioning your life as well. So the retreats and the retreat at the end of, there's a six-month program, and the retreats are at the end of the program, and they're the seventh step in the seven-step program, which is the living it part of the program. They're called Carpe Diem retreats, surprise, surprise, because that's what it's all about. It's about getting to that point where you've systemized your business, you've uh, had a change of mindset, you're delegating tasks. The retreats are the part where you actually walk the talk and you go away for seven days and every day you work on your business. We have workshops. I support you as you, the people as they operate their business working from anywhere. And my aim for those retreats, and I know by the end of those retreats, your life will be changed forever because I want people to walk away with not just working differently but living their life differently and realising the thing that really hit me 
back in 2013 and you sort of have to be there to understand what a difference it makes to your life to be able to do that. And speaking of retreats over here in the French Alps, I've actually got my first Carpe Diem retreat, my first group coming here in just over a week's time, which I'm really, really excited about. So they're coming here to the French Alps to work from anywhere on their business. We're going to go hiking. We're going to go e-bike cycling. We're going to immerse ourselves in the community and have workshops. I'm so, so excited to be getting the first group coming over here in just next month, a couple of weeks' time or less than a couple of weeks' time. I can imagine that having a retreat as the seventh step in the program really makes it meaningful to systemize a business to run from anywhere and also creates a deadline in that if these business owners want to be able to join in and participate and be running their business from the French Alps, then they actually need to have implemented during the six months. So I think that is a really clever way to structure the program and also to make it enjoyable. I know having something like that to look forward to at the end would I know it would make me work harder during that six-month program. It'll be interesting to hear their thoughts about the retreat, but also if it really motivated them to, to implement throughout those six months. So there's a retreat coming up next week, and then the next one's in Queenstown. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And on your point there about motivation, it's accountability at its best because, yeah, if you're not set up by then, and I work very, very close with them. We have... Uh, so it's alternate mastermind sessions and one-on-one sessions. So this is an online course as such. I work very closely with only a very small group of people, up to eight people. So I hold their hand through the whole process and they are accountable. Mastermind sessions are amazing. So some of the feedback where it's not just about my knowledge, but other people in the program come up with ideas and help each other. So it's amazing. Yes, so accountability at its best and it does work. Yes, the next one is in Queenstown in New Zealand. That's another seven-day program and it's got similar sort of excitement to here as the French Alps, but it's just a little bit closer. So it's the same sort of program. And then next year also we'll be doing the French Alps again as well. I can't announce it just yet, but I potentially have someone else that will be coming and adding to the next year's programs as well. and. Big one in 2021, believe it or not, I found a luxury small boat or a luxury boat in the Maldives called Carpe Diem. So 2021 will be Carpe Diem retreat on a boat in the Maldives for seven days. Oh, that sounds amazing. Actually, some of my favorite surf trips have been, I've been on a couple in the Maldives and they were incredible. But how amazing that there's a boat that has your life mantra <laughs> meant to be. Yeah. I believe in the universe, Mira. I absolutely do. And that to me was a no-brainer. I actually like, I'm a, a stand-up paddleboard surfer myself, but there's there's snorkel in there. There's something there for everything. And it's better than, I just couldn't believe it. And more on that, Carpe Diem, this happened yesterday. Yesterday, I was Googling Carpe Diem and there's a, chalet here where I'm staying, like just in this village that's called Chalet Carpe Diem. I'm actually going to look at that today, which is (laughs) the universe just banging at me. And I just can't wait to go and look at that to potentially use uh, Chalet Carpe Diem here in the French Alps. Yes, but next year, that would be incredible. 
So you mentioned earlier or at the beginning of the podcast about the four-hour work week, which I think has inspired many different business owners. Run a business, not necessarily four hours. I've read the book and that was one of my early inspirations as well. And my personal goal has never been to work four hours. I like working, but I didn't want to work 80 hours a week either. And so that was some early inspiration for me. And you've mentioned the E-Myth. Other books that you've read that have influenced you or that you would recommend to our audience? Oh, now you've caught me. And there is one other book and I just can't think of the name of it. Uh, <laughs> I've put you on uh, the spot. Yeah, you have. Oh, there's another, and I've read it recently, but more so probably for me, I've actually reread uh, the four-hour work week since I've been here. And it's funny when you revisit something. Basically, I took one part of the concept out of that. And I, I actually didn't quite connect with some of the other stuff that uh, Tim was saying there you know, about building other businesses because I a lot about what I do is work with businesses that are already established. So for me, it's not about building the business. Uh, there's plenty of other people out there doing it. But it's about if you've got a successful established business, it's about just transitioning that business to work for you, for you in your life especially those people that have, you know, get in a little bit later on. The kids have left home. They've got plenty of time potentially now and they're still trapped in their business. So, yes, the four-hour work week and the E-Myth especially because the concept of systemizing. But I'm sorry, I can't think of that other book, which I've read actually quite recently. When it does come to you, we'll just pop it in the show notes afterwards. And I was interested just more on the four-hour work week, the parts that, didn't resonate you and the parts that did resonate with you and the parts that didn't? The parts that didn't resonate, maybe it's a time of life I'm at that uh, a lot of it was about building, scaling, which is a relevant thing to do, building, scaling businesses and really that hyper sort of startup type thing. Whereas I suppose because I've come from an established business that was just operating although now I'm in a startup business with the really with working from anywhere, it just resonated with me. And they're the people I want to help is the people that have an established business but are trapped in it. So, you know, that part of it really resonated with me. And that was more the start of the book where he talks about not being trapped in your life, whether it be a nine-to-five job or, you know, trapped in that one place. Uh, yeah, and as I read further in the book, it's, like I said, it's funny when you revisit a book uh, several years later, I sort of lost a bit of interest because I suppose it didn't resonate with where I am personally in my life and also with the people I work with. There was a section in there around mini retirements and I can still remember that because yes. I, at the time when I first read it, I was I think I was still working as a corporate accountant and just working really hard and having my four weeks of holidays a year. And I love that concept. And I took, pretty sure it was around that time that I took 12 months leave without pay from my job and then decided to go and explore. And really what I took from that is that you can live now, which is similar to your seize the day, yes. in that you don't yep. have to buy a Ferrari. If you want to take it for a drive one day, just go and rent it. Or if you want to go and live, yes somewhere different, do it now and find a way to make it happen on a temporary basis rather than saving up for a huge expensive holiday once a year and then working 48 weeks or 50 weeks in some countries the rest of the year. So I haven't yeah, actually thought about the book for a while, so it's interesting to discuss it with you. And I'm really glad you, please, you 
brought up because you brought up the bit that did really resonate with me, and that was that's the thing that got me going was the mini retirements. I don't like to use the word retirements anymore because <laughs> it's really about just living life. There's no difference. That's basically what I started doing with some what we were called mini breaks. You know, it was one month, then it was two months, then it was three months, but they weren't actually breaks. And yeah, no, that's probably the major bit that I, I took out of it. And the other really important thing he talks about is what you said with the Ferrari is, and I've actually gone a little bit down the minimalism track too, is many people say to me, because I come over here all the time, why don't you buy a property over here so you've got somewhere to stay? I thought, why would I do that? Then I'd have to look after it for 12 months and worry about it. I come over here and pay rent for three months and sometimes I rent my place unit at home. So yeah, it's about not tying yourself down to commitments when you don't have to. And it's a, it's just a really different mindset. So yeah, your point about the Ferrari and about not necessarily buying property, but renting property, it's about stopping and thinking about it. People don't always stop and think why they do things. But the question uh, comes to me a lot, oh, why don't you buy somewhere in the French Alps? But yeah, why? Then I'd have to look after it. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually interested in minimalism as well. And although I have an 11 week old daughter at home, so I'm actually accumulating lots of stuff. I feel like there's stuff mm-hmm. all around the house, baby clothes and bits and pieces. But I actually, I've read a bit about minimalism and try and apply some of those concepts in my life about thinking about what I'm consuming and whether I actually need to buy things or own possessions. And I still do, I'm not extreme with it, but I definitely subscribe to some of those philosophies. What's your take on it or how do you apply it in your life? You've given a couple of good examples already. Yeah, well, uh, a couple of good examples. It it gets easier when you don't have babies at home, I'll tell you that now, (laughs) because definitely as you move forward and I've done a lot of reading. I haven't gone extreme on it, but you would know for a fact that here's one little thing is I don't need to select what I need to wear each day because I only wear the same T-shirt, not the same T-shirt, but (laughs) my branded T-shirt, my WFA Life T-shirt with Carpe Diem on the back. And so I have six T-shirts, which I wear with whatever pants, but so that's one area. I actually really did go through my wardrobe and I'm fortunate that I'm no longer in the with having to wear suits or anything with corporate side of things. So I just have six t-shirts, working from anywhere t-shirts, and very minimal other clothes. And it's a really fantastic. It's really good for your mind as well as having your stuff there. So I actually emptied out the wardrobe, and yeah, I just think about things before I buy them these days. And I used to buy stuff. I used to have you know like three push bikes or actually no I didn't have three I had five <laughs> and now you know I've sold one of them my, my pride and joy but I sold it it's about thinking about it and it's fantastic I love it because the other thing with possessions is it's not just what you pay out for them but you have to look after them or store them or do things with them you know or tidy them so when you have less stuff you actually got more life it actually helps with my seize the day mantra because you actually have more time available to actually live that life because you're not, you know, reorganizing the garage with all your stuff or selling things or looking after maintaining stuff that you've bought. I love that. And I think there is headspace in, first of all, buying things, but then looking after them too. 
And I see two benefits. One is just not having a house of clutter and having to look after things. But as the accountant talking, the financial side of things, that I think it helps to create financial freedom. We've recorded a separate, an earlier episode, which I'll link in to the show notes as well, talking about personal finances and financial freedom and doing things like thinking about what you buy and being more intentional around that because the less pressure, less financial pressure you're under, the more choices you can make about how you want to spend your time, where you want to be working or what business you're running. Whereas if you've racked up a whole lot of debt buying things that you might not have needed, then it can really constrain your freedom and how you're spending your time. So that's a topic that's close to my heart as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely some headspace there and uh, plenty of other benefits as well. Andy, before we wrap up, was there anything else that you wanted to mention, any tips that you had for other business owners to build a successful business, but to do it in a way that means they can live their life as well? So the people that are out there that are starting to build a business is start off how you want to finish. So start off as though you're not going to be the only person in that business. So set up that structure early, get everything in the cloud and get early, get in there early with that. So the people out there that have an established business and are feeling trapped in there, don't defer your life until later. Please, I'm passionate about this. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. So please start thinking about spending time for yourself with the people that count. And there is a really, it's not a difficult process, but it's a process that will change your life forever. And I'm absolutely very happy to help people do that, of course, with the program, or if they just want to call me or have a call with me and we can go over and see where they're at. But yeah, at the end of the day, please, I just urge everyone to carpet down, seize the day. We all know someone that uh, unfortunately that hasn't made it to retirement or to later in life even. And so, yeah, it's too risky not to do that. And what's the best way for someone to get in contact with you? Best way to get in contact, LinkedIn is uh, really good. You can find me on LinkedIn, just send me a request and mention that uh, you heard me on the Bean Ninja's podcast, of course. And the other place, of course, is my website, which is www.wfa.life. Now, everyone says, oh, is that .com? No, it's not .com. That is the website address, WFA for working from anywhere, .life, L-I-F-E. So the website there, there's opportunities there to click on and book a 15-minute call with me. And I'm really happy for people to just book one of those calls and let's have a chat. Fantastic. I really enjoyed chatting with you, Annie. We've touched on some of my favourite topics. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for the opportunity, uh, Meryl. I really enjoy it. I, I know we're very much aligned because I know some of the things that uh, I believe in, I know you believe in. So uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been awesome. And yeah, thank you for the opportunity to, most importantly, to share the Carpadium message. Want to upgrade your financial skills and learn how to use Zero better? Here's what Stevie, one of our past students, shared about her experience with our Financial Literacy for Zero Users course. I just wanted a simple way to understand it for peace of mind. I wanted to make sure that everything would be really kind of plain English, easy for me to understand, and that if I had questions specific to my own personal circumstances, that 
I could have those answered as well because that's where I was feeling really lost. I basically went from having no idea about how zero worked or how to read a profit and loss statement or what a general ledger was to feeling like I was comfortable with all of those things. And I really kind of got to the point where I understood the financial health of my business. So if you're someone who gets overwhelmed with the idea of going into your zero farm and not knowing what's going on money-wise with your business, or you just want a simple way to understand zero and want peace of mind with your finances, our course might be the solution. Applications are now open for our Financial Literacy for Zero Users training course designed for non-accountants who want to better understand and manage small business finances. Head over to beanninjas.com forward slash course to learn more about our financial literacy course and to apply.